Hey, Litecoin Underground. Uh, another week in the books. Um, really appreciative of all the support you guys keep giving me every week. And uh, if you've been listening over the last few weeks, you're probably noticing some of the common themes that are popping up. I go back and I listen. Um, I even mentioned it in, the, in this week's podcast that I probably listen more than I should to myself. But I'm trying to trying to learn, trying to get better at what I'm doing. And in listening to all these, what I'm realizing is going back even to the earliest ones, there's a lot of common themes coming up. Um, talk about using the coin, why that's important to uh, engage with the protocol, not just put it in a cold storage wallet and never use it. What the advantages are, why that helps you in the long term become more confident and more capable when you're using these coins. We talk about self-custody. We talk about privacy. We talk about you know why free markets are important. Uh, we talk about this multi-chain world, right? That the value of having multiple different kind of tools and assets in order to stay decentralized and, and private are important. And so last week, uh, one of our listeners, or one of the followers, he's in, he's in there every week, Tux, he is a Monero supporter, but he's also bought some Litecoin, and he's uh, kind of turned me on to this this uh, wallet, Cake Wallet, it's called. I'd never heard of it. I may have heard the name before, but I'd never used it at all and so um over the course of last week i checked it out and just did a swap on there like a litecoin and a half and swapped it in monero just to try it out and i was really impressed with it and what was what was nice is that you know tux had given me some names and some people to reach out to uh that work with cake wallet and justin ehrenhofer who works i think he's the vp don't correct correct me if i'm wrong on that one but uh don't don't hate me if i'm completely wrong uh he came in and Gave us uh, about an hour and a half of his time and gave us a whole rundown of a lot of different things. And it really was interesting. We talked, obviously, about Cakewall a little bit and some of the capabilities. But uh, we, we discussed Monero. We discussed DeFi. Uh, we discussed a little bit of what's been going on in the political spectrum with that. And I just it was a really great conversation. And I think it's a really important step into continuing to kind of build these bonds between different crypto environments and protocols. You know, we don't have to all hate each other we all have purposes and and some are good and some are bad and let's uh let's work together as opposed to apart so um one thing i will tell you the audio was a little odd this week i mean again i'm i'm utilizing twitter spaces so so we're reliant sometimes on people's phone connections so i'm apologizing in advance if you get some level jumps where you know one person's voice is very loud and then it gets very quiet um so I'm just going to apologize. I'm doing my best. I'm not an audio expert, and I'm I'm working with someone in the community to maybe help me uh, smooth these out a little bit because uh, I want this to be a good experience for you. So uh, like, subscribe, follow, all those great things. Oh, and before I go, I just want to give a quick shout-out to some of the regulars on here, uh, particularly you know Boglamas. I even mentioned him. I think his username is Boglamas Rider. Give him a follow. He's been in every week he's a good contributor uh he's got some great ideas uh had a new user in this week that was really cool but like satoshi south has been in every week um who else has been out there cody a bunch of different guys so i just appreciate the engagement and uh, we're gonna keep this going hopefully i'll have some more content coming at you soon all right thanks guys have a good week Don't shout to me, call me like Queen Moses, no XRP.
I'll bog them on every week. You know, actually, I was going to say something at the beginning of this. Uh, I'm going to wait for some people to filter in, maybe. But one person, I got to take Bogomas. You're like my most, my most loyal <laughs> listener. You what? You're always like the first one in. So it's you, Charlie, and David Bouquet that I have notification on my on my Twitter account. Oh my gosh! So you are in a in a good category. <laughs> Rarefied air. Actually, I want to try to invite. What, what was that? Some people. Yeah, I'm gonna try and invite some oh, yeah, people yeah. in here. Hang on. Actually, you know who hasn't been in here? Who used to come in here all the time was uh, Charlie GBTC. Uh-huh. You guys know him? No. But I was reading the Sorry, thread, the thread in the morning about the node. Yeah. So it's it's funny because this week my server just fried, and it stopped working. And I'm working the my the whole week on the on the in the afternoons. I was building my server and my nodes and my wallet, you know. <laughs> it, it was fun. It yeah. Was fun. Yeah, I, I I um I'm not you know, I'm not super experienced on that stuff and you know, I made that video, whatever it was, got back in like May about running a node and I and I actually right now that computer I have it on, I turn it off. When I'm trying to record stuff because the fan on that stupid thing's so loud, so I I might end up getting one of those like Raspberry Pis that um, I was Kyle was talking about that one week. I was looking for those, but they're kind of expensive for the for the power they have, but they're cute, you know. <laughs> how, I mean, how much? What are they like? Hundred bucks or something? No, it's like three or something if you get the whole package. Oh. Yeah, that's where I said to him, I was like, you might as well get like a small laptop at that point. Just go on like Facebook and I have a small used laptop. I have a small <laughs> Lenovo desktop, I mean like office PC. Like Yep. Pretty good for, 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 for a node for a server, it's like awesome. All right. Well I'm gonna let this fill in a little bit. Um I had a lot I wanted to get out up front. So some I, I'm Every week, I'm trying to figure out the best way to run these things. Uh, I listen back, and you know, I of course want to. I want to do a couple things. I want to make these interesting so that people want to come back. Um, but I'm trying to be consistent with like what whatever my ethos is, and uh, so I'm recognizing every week I come in with something to say. So I kind of like that. It ends up being almost like a call-in radio show. So I'm just going to kind of off the cuff some stuff I was thinking about and then I got somebody coming in that's that's gonna we're gonna talk to a little bit. So um if you are new here, if you've never listened and you're here because you you know Litecoin shared this or Litecoin Foundation shared it, um I don't talk about price too much. Uh the market, like Bagamas will tell you, the mar- market's an emotional place. Uh it's not representative necessarily of the real value of these things. And so you know just be prepared that we might not talk about price all that much, but um, we are the community. Yes, we're, and I really do feel that way. I feel yeah. like we can. Yeah, me too. We're carving this out, and I think we can have a very strong voice, not only in Litecoin but just in crypto in general. I think there's a lot more of us that are here for reasons beyond just the fiat price. Yeah. So, uh, and what, these are I got like three or four things. I think they all tie it together, and then we're going to jump into what. 
what we wanted to address today. Another thing I wanted to say, I, I'm, I've totally circled around on Elon Musk. I used to, when he was younger, I loved Tesla and I thought they were cool. And then I got kind of disappointed in the fact that he took so much government money to get the things he got. But something has changed in him in the last, like, seemingly couple of months where he's, I, I think he's just kind of overall the drama, <laughs> you know, he's detaching himself maybe a bit from Tesla and getting involved in cryptos and, and kind of speaking back to, uh, you know, Bernie and he, the whole, did you guys, I'm sure you saw the thread with him and Elizabeth Warren this week, right? Where he's calling her Congress. What do you call her? Senator Karen or something. But I, I think we got to support Elon. If you guys listened back last week at the end of the sixth episode of our podcast, we talked about Elon a lot. And even last week, I was kind of iffy on him, but I'm I'm really coming around that I think he's somebody that's important for crypto and bringing new people to this space. So that's that. Not, not, uh, not only in crypto, in general, in, 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 in general, the guy's doing, this guy is doing like a lot of work, man everywhere well right and i and i think most what's most important to me is that i feel like he's gone he's going against maybe what he used to be where it was i don't know there was something about him that used to bother me i guess and maybe i was just being a hater for some reason but i feel like he's he's really come around and we talked about a few people last week that might be game changers um and it, it gets into politics a little bit. I don't want to get too much into politics, but guys like Elon and Joe Rogan and uh, Jack Dorsey could be somebody who could be a very strong voice in the future if he makes himself more present. Um, but anyway, what I the reason it was so important is because he was talking about Elizabeth Warren and she was kind of giving him crap about taxes. But she also this week came out very strongly against stable coins and DeFi. And I know we talk a lot about DeFi on these spaces and, you know, there's some people that feel like, hey, there's a bunch of unregistered securities going on. And I've kind of, again, I'm of the mindset that free trade is a good thing and more decentralization is a good thing. And so I would rather try to help defend DeFi than to be part of the side that's going to attack DeFi. And I figured out why that is. (laughs) So uh, one of the reasons, one of the things that that, uh, Satoshi, one of the things he did, and I, I mean, he almost had to because we're in a digital asset, right? Is that he took money as we know it and turned it into speech. That the money you, the, the Bitcoin and Litecoin, when you communicate, you send these things across time and space, you're really only speaking, right? All the wallet addresses are just a string of numbers and letters. All the values are just numbers. All your private keys are just words, letters. All your public keys are just letters and numbers. And I think what kind of shifted in my mind a few years ago is that You start to equate that all you're really doing is communicating value when you're moving money across time and space, and there should be no restriction on that. And I think when people try to stop that, 
two people from communicating, that's something we should equate with the First Amendment and that that's the most important thing to defend. So that's my intro to today's show. <laughs> and with that, I'm actually going to bring somebody up because uh, I think this ties into everything we've been talking about every week. If you're listening to this, we talk about a lot of common themes. I listen back repeatedly, probably too much to my own shows. We talk about using the coin, right? Using Litecoin. We talk about self-custody. We talk about privacy. We talk about free exchange, right? Free trade. Uh, the belief that we're going to have this multi-chain world and that we need to be a full crypto community. So with that in mind, I've been talking about other chains. And last week, I talked a lot to Tux. I don't know if he's in here. Probably not yet. Um, but he's a Monero proponent, and he recommended I reach out to a couple guys. And Justin Ehrenhofer's in here. Uh, so you can step up, Justin, if you want. He was somebody that um, I was told, hey, give this guy a, a holler. He might have some good info for you. And Justin works for, well, you tell, tell us who you are, Justin. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for the kind intro. Yes, I uh, am very interested in the privacy side <laughs> of everything happening in the cryptocurrency world. I work as vice president of operations for KQuallet. KQuallet is a free open source non-custodial wallet for Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Monero. Uh, we started actually as just a Monero-only wallet, and we only added Litecoin earlier this year, back in May. So this is kind of new for us. Uh, most of the users who were using Cake Wallet were Monero users to start, and they wanted to use Bitcoin and Litecoin as an easier way to exchange Monero or, or purchase goods and services that might not have accepted Monero directly. And I'm here because I liked your previous shows talking about the importance of security and privacy, holding your own coins, those sorts of things. And those are certainly values that we hold at Cake Wallet. Um, some extra background on me. Um, I do participate a lot in the broader cryptocurrency ecosystem. I'm a moderator of the cryptocurrency subreddit, for example. There's like 4 million people there at this point that are subscribed. And so I come across all sorts of different ideas, many bad, of course, but also some good ones among uh, people that are commenting in the Reddit side of things in the cryptocurrency community. So I definitely try to stay involved and I'm very happy to be on the show today to talk a little bit more about Cake, about broader cryptocurrency ideals that we support at Cake and you know, my self-support. And privacy is something that I have specifically focused on since 2015 um, because I personally knew what Tor and I2P and Freenet were before I even knew what Bitcoin was. For me, it was very obvious why you would want to have a decentralized network. It was for privacy. And then this money thing came around and I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool too. But I really like or want to see some greater advancements to privacy. So of course that drew me to Monero, but it of course certainly makes me interested in some of the Litecoin technologies, for example, like your implementation of Mimblewimble and like. So that's something that, you know, personally I'm watching very, very closely. And it's great to hear from you all today about these sorts of things. Yeah, I appreciate it. You're going to find this is, we're going to be pretty casual. So don't get too nervous. We got, uh, we'll throw some stuff around that's pretty jokey, but uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm almost hear. more, I'm I, like, I want to get into cakewalks. I do, I will say, so, you know, Tux is in the audience now. Um, he had said, hey, try this out last week. And so I went on and, you know, downloaded it. 
of course, got to use the seed words, which was a good thing to see that, okay, this is a non-custodial wallet. Um, and transferred, I put in, I just put in like one and a half Litecoin and you just, you know, you have a return address, you send it out and it took some time, which is probably a good indicator that essentially it's an open market, right? That you have to find a match, correct? Essentially, right? Is that how that works when you trade to get my Monero back? Uh, so at the moment we use an instant exchanger called change now. So you send coins to change now, and then they'll send you whatever amount that you agreed upon in whatever asset you're trading. So in the case that you started with one and a half Litecoin, for example, you send them the Litecoin, then they would send you the Monero, for example, if you're buying Monero. So what's the reason it took some time? I'm just out of, out of curiosity. Um, I mean, it would be based off their service. So they're probably just waiting to make sure there is at least one confirmation. Maybe they'd wait for several just to make sure. Um, but, and I mean, normally they're pretty quick, but it might take up to 30 minutes, say, for them to just send the funds. That's pretty typical for a lot of the instant exchanger services. Yeah, because I, cause I know a lot of times it's, you know, if you're trying to match peer to peer, there may not be the same liquidity available and it can take some time, which is fine. Like I, I wasn't in a rush and, and I, I, what I was more excited about was the fact that uh, I could take coins from any any of my wallets, you know, put it onto a, another private wallet, and then trade into another private asset. Like I thought that I just found that to be, it just felt really cool. I and I, I was actually communicating with Tux today. You can come up and talk if you want, Tux. But um, yeah, there's something that feels very good about anymore with everything that we have exposed to the world. I mean. I mean, we all probably have that paranoia and you may be able to speak to this, that your all your devices are listening to you 24 hours a day. So to feel like you have almost no privacy at all, um, there was something satisfying about that to me. It was like kind of just very cool that I can, you know what, I should be allowed to do things without anybody knowing what the heck I'm doing, right? <laughs> it's like buying stuff with cash. So um, so why why did you have such an interest in privacy? What like what uh, led you to that? That's that's a good question. I, I think. I mean, if it's um, criminal activity, bluntly, don't reveal it. Now. Okay, it wasn't quite <laughs> like that, but I, I would say bluntly, it was trying to get around some filters on the internet, most likely as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was maybe a you big mean, part like, of it. Like, uh... all right, never mind. I think we all know what you're talking about. Go ahead. <laughs> Downloading torrent music. Downloading oh. what? Torrent. Music. Oh, yeah. Okay. No one's oh. ever done that before. What are you talking about? That, that's never yeah, something yeah, yeah. that anybody no, no, has no. ever done. I heard somebody saying that, but I, was I like, mean, for yeah, some no. reason, it just blocked all the Linux ISOs that I was trying to download. I mean, why would you want that? So, yeah, See, that's all Greek to me. <laughs> I have no, like, I know. I am, I, I, I am Greek, though. That's right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's one of those things where a lot of people do have reasons or good stories about why they need privacy. And I, I think I personally have one where. You know, I was LGBT. I wanted to find resources. They were blocked. I wanted to bypass those. But you don't really necessarily even need a good story for why you want privacy. It's just something you should be able to say, I want privacy, and you can get it, right? You don't have to necessarily explain yourself. So with Cake, it's not like when you download it and want to use Monero. We don't ask you a question, why are you using Monero, right? <laughs> Thank right. God. So Yeah, it's like none, none of your business, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, the, well, the reason I ask is because I, I – 
I feel like I always came from a place that was fairly trusting. I never had, I never had reason to distrust authorities growing up or feeling like I was going to be victim of something that for, you know, for no particular reason that I needed to shield some things. Like, Cause that's, that's where my thought would go. If you were to say, you know, when I was 20 years old and you said, well, these people are trying to hide stuff. I would always assume, well, they must be up to something. Why would they need to hide it? Right. And that's a very common theme. Like if you have nothing to hide, like I got nothing to hide. Right. People will say that. And, um, but that doesn't mean it's right to, that people are allowed to snoop in your business. And I, I didn't think it's funny because last week, you know, Tuck's brought up, would you feel weird if someone was documenting everything going on in your house? Or if it wasn't a business doing it, if just an individual wanted to snoop through all your uh, financial records, you would feel like, well, that's like, why would I allow that? And the reality is, until Mimblewimble comes around, a lot of what we have today with Litecoin and Bitcoin is allowing a lot of that snooping if someone were so inclined to do it. Um, what I And what I really think is cool about Cake Wallet is, and maybe you can give us some feedback on your thoughts on Mimblewimble, I feel like once Mimblewimble is implemented, we're going to have a really, a really nice set of tools to have privacy and the liquidity of Litecoin the ability to go, you know, to use it anywhere in the world and be on every exchange in the world and all these ATMs and what, uh, you know, one of our listeners used to call like your white markets, right? And then, but also be able to shift into things like Mimblewimble and Monero and Cake Wallet and be private when you want to be private. So, I, like, uh, did, have you looked a lot at Mimblewimble a lot or no? So, I... I would say I've looked very closely at Grin's implementation. I haven't states super updated at what Litecoin is specifically doing it. So if people here are familiar with there are any major changes, you definitely can let me know. But I, I think the coolest thing about Litecoin is, A, it is very efficient to start with, right? You're starting with something that, that's quite good. Even though it still scales linearly, the transactions are very, very small. And it also provides much better quote-unquote address protection, right? I mean, you know, hand-wavy, kind of hard to define that to some extent, but it's certainly better than what is, you know, available today. Uh, but that said, um, the, the biggest advantage is that it hides the transaction amounts. The transaction amounts is like a super, super frustrating thing to deal with. In Monero's early history, we actually did not hide the transaction amounts. They were denominated. And that's something that today on Bitcoin, on Litecoin, uh, you'll have mixing services used. They will denominate the amounts because they can't hide them. But that really, really sucks. Like, it's really, really bad. And you're exposing this huge piece of metadata. So if Mimblewimble is widely adopted on the Litecoin network, that is a huge piece of metadata that you no longer need to worry about to nearly the same extent. So if I am, for example starting with one Monero on my side, and Monero is pretty private, of course, I think we'd all pretty, pretty much agree with that. But if I wanted to convert to an asset and sell it on an exchange, for example, I could use Bitcoin, but then I have to end up with a transparent amount of Bitcoin that is deposited in my cake wallet, which then I either need to try to denominate in some way or try to be sneaky at sending to an exchange that's going to be difficult, or I could use Litecoin with Mimblewimble and I can get my Litecoin, but nobody else in the entire world needs to know how much Litecoin I bought it or how much Litecoin I bought. 
So that makes it far more difficult for just a random person on the sidelines to try and figure out what the heck I'm trying to do with my money. So hiding the transaction amounts is very, very useful in order to prevent further metadata leakage. So mixing protocols are significantly better when you're able to hide the amounts as an assumption, as opposed to have to try and denominate them in some way. There's, there's so many fewer ways to accidentally screw up. And I sort of maintained that personally, the bare minimum that you need to do at a core network level in order to allow for better privacy on you know, some second layer or some other abstraction is to hide the amounts. That's the bare minimum. And the fact that Litecoin is moving to actually do that with, uh, and, and I really hope that it will constitute a large portion of Litecoin's network activity, then I think that's super, super positive. And certainly that's something we want to support in Kate. Yeah, that, that would be, that's one of the things that he brought up was, uh, oh, so did you get a chance to listen to the, the episode? I think I pointed you to one with David Burkett, who's implementing that on Litecoin. I just listened to the most recent one. <laughs> oh boy, that might not have been good. <laughs> so, no. I have a question. So, is yeah, the go. Cake Wallet Cake Wallet going to support MWeb? Uh, sorry, support what? MimbleWimble. MimbleWimble. Oh. <laughs> sorry, I've actually never heard someone abbreviate as MWeb before. <laughs> maybe, oh, that, I'm sorry. maybe that's on me. Um, oh, but I'm yes, sorry. yes, we fully intend to support Mimblewimble. We think it's very, very important for people to be able to swap in and out from Litecoin with Mimblewimble to Monero. We think that is a killer feature, and we think that that's something that a lot of users, especially Monero users, are going to want to do. And that's going to be a killer wallet too. <laughs> Good job. Thanks. <laughs> well, yeah, and like I said, it's all the fact that it's you know non-custodial. Um, I, like to me, I just start thinking of the possibilities of, you know, you could have a spare phone with a cake wallet on it and really, really do a lot to keep yourself uh, as private as possible and convenient. Like, I, I think that it's almost like I'm looking at, you know, you got like, you're going to have Bitcoin is going to be your very, you're kind of your white market. Litecoin is going to be this gray asset. And then, of course, We'll call it the dark market. I don't know what you guys want to call it. <laughs> the charcoal gray market with Monero. So the underground market. The underground market. Yeah. Um, is it Indigo? Anybody talks? You want to? You guys have any questions? I don't want to jump and dominate this thing. If you guys got questions, I, I, just I want to really quickly say that uh, Vic is listening in. Vic is the owner of Cake Wallet. He's the OG that had his Coinbase account closed by uh, using a darknet market. So that was what pushed him to Monero. So that's that, that was the motivation behind Cake Wallet initially. Uh, he had like a real reason. You, you were just trying to look up Moon at 14 years old. That's fine. Um, I'll, I'll take that. But uh, he just wanted me to quickly mention that uh, he's, talking to, he's talked to Charlie Lee about this specifically, and it's definitely something we want to do. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, I know, and I'm I'm excited. I well, here's something I'm interested in because I actually just totally coincidentally, well, Bagwamas, who's in here, he's talked a number of times about the magical crypto friends, and uh, so I was like, you know, I got to go back and listen. I probably listened long ago to a couple episodes, but it's been a while, and I pulled one up. It was just randomly. It was. It sounded like it was going to be about lightning because it was titled Satoshi Lightning or something, and in that episode, Charlie and Fluffy Pony, who I don't even know his name, Ricardo or something, uh, 
were, you know, they talked for quite a while about this relationship that could be potentially between Litecoin and Monero. And even could Monero be on the Lightning Network and doing atomic swaps between the two? And essentially, I guess Cake Wallet in a way is almost that function because uh, the fees were almost nothing. Again, you had Litecoin fees, which are very low, and Monero fees were also extremely low. So it was like it was almost a fee-less transfer to do that on Cake Wallet, which I thought was really very cool as well. Um, is it? Is there anything? Do you guys? I mean, you're not Monero developers. You're obviously very involved in it. Is Monero going to be like Lightning enabled, um, or is that even a thing you guys are even that's even being thought of on Monero? Or is it uh, possible? I guess. So Monero Talk just had a guest on talk about Lightning on Monero. Um, I would recommend starting there, and then as if you have further questions from there, ask the Monero Research Lab. I would okay. say at the moment, the main priority for Monero is not trying to plug in some second layer lightning network thing, although that's still something that people have been interested in doing over the years, of course. Um, I think in practice, it's usually pretty easy to just convert Monero to another asset, use that temporarily, like Litecoin, for example, and then use that. Um, and you know, there's quite a few different assets you can try to convert to. Um, the main focus in the uh, Monero Research Lab side, so at the moment, seems to be better privacy. I mean, with Monero, that's always a focus, right? Better privacy, better privacy, better privacy. So uh, they haven't exactly slowed down in that front. Yeah, what what are your thoughts on the Lightning Network? <sighs> oh, it's complicated. It's like beyond, a, it's like beyond, a difficult I, I mean, relationship. I want, I want you to pick it apart because I'm not 100% sold on it either. So go ahead. <laughs> so... You know, full transparency, Lightning Network is the sort of thing that a lot of a lot of KQuality users want because they want to have cheaper Bitcoin transactions. So that being said, um, Lightning Network is it, it. It's really hard to give a straight answer, and I think a lot of people want to give a super straightforward answer to be like, oh, it's either super perfect in every way, and it's private, and it's fast, and it's free, and all these sorts of things. And then on the other hand, you have some people that are like, oh, well, it's completely centralized, and it's unsafe, and it's it's this and that, <laughs> and I think the reality is sort of somewhere in the middle. So frankly, we're, we're kind of navigating the space without trying to, or, you know, trying to see past a lot of those super hard lines that people are trying to put up and say, okay, what are the real reasons why somebody might want to do this? If the whole point to use the Lightning Network within KQuot, for example, is to quickly and cheaply and potentially with more privacy, but obviously with a big asterisk, like send it to an exchange to convert for another asset, Maybe that's a good use case, but uh, if someone wanted to like park funds in Lightning for ten years and never check back in with their wallet, like that's going to be a very different use case. So uh, I, I think that the advantages of Lightning really come through with the most when you're talking about quick, efficient trades. But uh, when it comes to someone who just wants to hodl forever. <laughs> then maybe it's there are fewer advantages and there are potentially more disadvantages. So I'm sorry for that kind of being a non-answer. Um, no, no. I mean, I, I guess I feel like it'll have, uh, there's trade-offs, right? And so, I mean, obviously as Litecoiners, I would always, you know, if somebody came to me and said, hey, I don't like these high fees on Bitcoin, I'd say, well, just use Litecoin. Like, what's your, what are you, don't be so stuck up about Bitcoin, right? But that's me because I'm a Litecoiner. But um there will be, I think there will be places for it. And what I tend to feel will happen is that there will be a 
centralization of the major nodes and the ones, the people that can actually provide liquidity to it. So not that it's, and not that that's a bad thing. I think it'll have its use in certain regards, but not in the true sense of why we've wanted crypto from the beginning. You know, why was crypto created? What are, what is it that makes it unique? I don't think that lightning necessarily adds a lot to that, but maybe I'll be proven wrong. Indigo's got a question. What's up, Indigo? Hey, thanks, Mika. And Justin, thank you for taking the time. Uh, very insightful with everything you've said so far, and I agree with everything you've said. Um, so I was talking to Crown, uh, Bitcoin Crown, actually, I forgot his handle, but uh, he works at LNPay. He mentioned something that Blockstream uh, has this service called Greenlight. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but essentially, uh, in regards to Lightning, they will be able to manage your Lightning node for you, but you're still able to hold your keys. And that, let's say, if they were to take um, away access to that API, you could take your keys and move it somewhere else, essentially, to gain access to your LNBTC. I thought that was actually pretty interesting. And actually, also, like, you know, I'm kind of in between, like, with Lightning as well. Like, it's good for some cases, shorter-term periods, not for hodling. Um, but there's a lot of steam that seems like that's being built up behind it. And one thing that I thought that would be interesting, and I'm here seeing in a lot of the Twitter spaces, like log scales, is that they're giving out uh, LNBTC at very cheap, you know, just to people to demo it. It's, uh, you know, it's a great way to get people hands-on with it. And I was thinking that it would be really cool. Like, I know that there's a way to do a reverse submarine atomic swap from LNBTC to BTC or OTC, and or maybe even down to MW OTC. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of like stating that I think it'd be pretty cool to integrate Lightning um, into your guys' wallet. I just downloaded it. I don't see anything for LNBTC or LTC here. Um, and I think that like if there's a lot of steam behind LNBTC, um, by having that option to be able to, to do submarine atomic swaps, for people, uh, or reverse submarine atomic swaps. Um, and then when Nimblewimble is implemented, I guess this isn't a question, I'm just talking. Sorry, I'm rambling. Um, that's, dude, that's been my, that's basically what I've done for eight weeks. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I'm looking at your wallet. It looks like you can exchange currencies um, between one another. How is that being done? Is that being done? Uh, through atomic swaps, or is that done through like a third-party exchange? I missed that part. If you said, uh, first of all, Indigo, I appreciate the feedback. I really do. That's we, like I said, we're working with our team to figure out the best Lightning Network implementation. Ultimately, for us, we have always prioritized user experience first, and then sort of had advanced features tucked away where people can still access them for example uh people can customize or select their own nodes that they want to use for syncing but we're going to provide ones by default for example and the same would be the case for our, our lightning implementations um but uh when it comes so so we're, those are the sorts of things we're looking at for supporting bitcoin lightning litecoin lightning all those sorts of fun things uh they are not things as, as you notice that we do not uh, that we currently support um luckily Litecoin is pretty inexpensive <laughs> when it comes to sending transactions. So um, at least the, mar the potential gains there or potential advantages are 
slightly lower than they could be. <laughs> um, if, if fees get expensive, then of course we'll have to revisit. But um, at the moment, it's pretty cheap, and so everyone has a pretty good experience. When it comes to the actual uh, exchanges, that is using an instant exchanger called Change Now. So it is custodial in the moment. You'll send funds there. They have control of your funds. They could, in theory, run away with them. And then you get your, your delivered asset. Uh, but the benefit with Change Now is that they've been around for quite a few years. We've been their partner for uh, over four years now. Um, and they, uh, they, they, that's how you keep the cost super low and you keep the transactions pretty efficient in the, in the meantime before we add some more uh, trustless, you know, no counterparty risk atomic swaps directly. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's what we do for, uh, for those exchanges. Yeah, I went and took a look at change now because I noticed it said backed up, whatever. I think on your wall, it even mentions it. And, oh, the uh, other cool thing, too, is that it, yeah. uh, they don't do, like, they don't have mandatory KYC for their exchanges. So if you, if you wanted to just say, hey, I want to convert $10,000 in Monero to Litecoin, like, you mean, you would notice that uh, when you try to do the swap, they didn't ask you to scan your ID or anything, right? It's just, they just let you do it. So well, that's what I was going to say. It was very reminiscent of, I used to do a bunch of shapeshift back in uh, 17. Like, you guys, I don't remember that. You know, you put your of sending address, you have a receiving address, and then like a return address in case something goes wrong. And then you have your <clears throat> receiving address in the other asset. And uh, that was great. I love that. Was Those were good days. Those were fun. <laughs> That's all gone now. But <laughs> yeah, did, so you know, does that answer your question? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, that, that was a great response. Thank you, Justin. Our main focus has always been on the Monero side. So there are atomic swaps between Monero and Bitcoin. Someone else is developing atomic swaps with Monero and Light, uh, sorry, uh, Ethereum. And I can't imagine there would be too much work to convert the Monero Bitcoin to Monero Litecoin. And these are true, proper, no counterparty risk. They can't steal your funds atomic swaps. Um, so it's not so just a marketing like peer, term. It, like it's peer to peer, essentially. You know, you're just trying to. Are you matching like an open trade? Like someone posts an open trade, or where does this liquidity come from? Sure. So in that case, it's a strict uh, maker taker model. So by that, there is a maker that sits somewhere and is saying, "Hey, I'm willing to sell uh, Monero for this Bitcoin price." And there's a discovery process you can use because the Monero developed, you know, Monero community helped make it. Uh, of course, it works with Tor. <laughs> um, right. So, uh, yeah, you can find people over Tor or you can specifically choose which, uh, which maker you wish to trade with. Um, and then they basically, the maker says, hey, this is the price I want to trade. There's usually going to be some built-in fee there, of course, for their time. And if you like, you can accept it or you can reject it and just go away. Um, and then, of course, if you accept it, then you have to actually go forward with the setting of the assets that you were going to sell in order to get the uh, the other traded asset back. So that is possible. I would say liquidity there is relatively light. Um, and it's kind of more with the Ethereum AMM systems, that's just so easy to pull liquidity together. And it's easy to know what you're working with. And it's it just made it very, very easy. So going back to a sort of find a random taker as a maker is kind of inefficient by comparison now, and it's it's kind of annoying. <laughs> um, but it definitely can 
still work. So instead, it's it's really how many makers can you find that are offering liquidity? How much? And then I think more importantly, how much are they willing to offer themselves? So um, like at, I don't at think a certain there price, are a yeah. lot of trades that are going through uh, atomic swaps right now, even on the Monero side. But who knows? Maybe, I mean, maybe more and more people will use it. But yeah, it's interesting what you're talking about. Because like what you're talking about reminds me, I think it was, was it Bakht or something like that? Bakht used to be, or maybe still even is an exchange that's just peer-to-peer and you go on there and there's almost no trades available. Hold on, hold on. Very low liquidity. Hold on, hold on, it's a big one. What's that? Hold on, hold on. Big one. Oh, hodl, 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 hodl. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting what you're talking about because you say so. You're saying that like because Ethereum has these like super robust DeFi exchanges with a lot of liquidity, it's making it easier to find. Uh, I guess a match. Is that is that kind of what you're saying there? I mean, yeah. I mean, at least from my perspective, even though there are disadvantages, to be clear, like there definitely are disadvantages, but it is easier to trade with an algorithm <laughs> than it is to try and find someone over Tor and then like communicate with them and see if it's the best price and then start to, to trade with them. Or let's say they don't have enough liquidity, then you need to hunt around for someone else and do, the, you know, try to split up the trade um, as opposed to just trading with one big pool where you have a least relatively predictable price. So, um, like what one end? Um, Litecoin is working with Thorchain, right? They're on Thorchain, yeah. Okay, so that's um, I mean, people will go back and forth about how actually decentralized Thorchain is. <laughs> so let's table that discussion, but let's at least just say it's a semi distributed or at least somewhat distributed <laughs> um exchange. It seems and... fairly, it seems fairly um, I mean, it's obviously it's permissionless. Right, there's no KYC. Um, there's pretty good liquidity to it, and I don't know enough about. I, I, and I'm not intimately knowledgeable. I, I've used it a tiny bit, but what I've seen, I really like it. And what I like about it too is that uh, I think the nodes are incentivized to keep things running as you know as well as possible. They want, like, you want user experience on Cakewall to be good. These node operators on Thor also want the user experience to be good because they're making a lot of money, right? So their incentives are in the right place. If that makes any sense. (laughs) No, I I think it's the right way to look at it. And that's really how we've looked at it from the cake side is that we have people today that have the convenience within cake of using a centralized instant exchanger. And there are risks with that, but so far they've been pretty good. But it would be good if people had the option to have the same user experience as using a centralized exchange, although instead of trusting the centralized exchange, they didn't have a specific party that they needed to trust. So um, we have been working with the Thorchain team side to get the work on Monero audited for them to actually be able to support it. Um, And then the code written up so that Monero can specifically be added to Thorchain. Um, As you may have seen, it's been a bit of a challenge with their network (laughs) the past few months. Um, however, we're pretty committed to, to pushing that project forward. That's been one of the things I've been working on quite a bit. And uh, it would be really nice if people could use Thorchain to, um, I mean, it's not an atomic swap, but they could trade using a more decentralized exchange, uh, Litecoin, 
and Monero back and forth. And they could even provide, uh, I mean, the way Thorchain works, you'd provide liquidity for the Litecoin rune pair and you'd provide liquidity for the Monero rune pair. And then anytime someone wanted to swap between, or trade, sorry, between Litecoin and, and Monero, then you would also take part of the part of the exchange fees as a liquidity provider. So are you are you saying that Cake maybe in the long you know assuming Thor let's say sticks around and lasts, um, will you guys get to the point where you might use that as your back end for trades out of Cake Wallet or you're not maybe not taking that leap yet? Oh no, not even the long term. Like that's that's been our goal for for months now. Oh okay. Um, I would say it's definitely. <laughs> Thorchain has had issues with their network. <laughs> and so that definitely set things back. And, you know, at the start of the year, Thorchain was talking pretty aggressively like, oh, we're going to do this and do that, and do this and that. And they got a bit of a reality check. <laughs> um, so things are going a little bit slower and things are being audited well in advance and being tested and the implementations are being, you know, certainly, you know, take a little bit extra time. <laughs> um, but, you know, currently, uh, you know, the Cake team has worked with an audit firm to audit the Monero multi-sig code that Thorchain wants to use. So we're definitely moving those things forward. We want to, in the first stage, allow people to be able to trade just like they use an instant exchanger for now. Um, you know, Monero to Litecoin, let's say, and, and back. Um, and then the second stage would be allowing people to, directly within Cake, uh, provide liquidity for these pairs. Oh, wow. That's cool. Because on the Monero side, we're like, you know, we're by and large left out from a lot of these, you know, really cool DeFi things. Oh, yeah, things. for sure. Yep. So we see this as a very important way to to sort of plug Monero into the ecosystem. And, and Litecoin's already on ThorChain. So what's a fantastic asset for you to swap back and forth from to provide liquidity on those pairs? Like, it, it it's great. It, I, I'm, I'm really excited for that. No, well, I mean, I, I started, I went in, I'm, I'm a very cautious dabbler, right? So I think it was last April or something. I, I put in, I think I put in like four Litecoin. I was like, I just want to see what this is all about on Thorchain to add, add some liquidity. And I, you know, when everything crashed, my coins were gone. I mean, they weren't gone, but they were locked up and I couldn't access them for however long they were down, like two months or something, but it came back up and my coins were there and everything uh, continued as, as it had before. Um, you know, obviously you're, you're playing with the volatility of the rune coin and all that, which um, I mean, whatever it is, what it is. I just wanted to learn a little more about it. And so, I mean, it's interesting that you guys are looking at that. I know that like Eric Voorhees talks about Thor quite a bit. And so it sounds like there's a lot of support for what they've put together over there. And yeah, the fact that you can get that out of the wallet would be pretty wild. So I, I have a question for you too, because uh, Johnny Litecoin is not in here, but it, we had an episode a couple weeks ago about uh, mobile wallets we talked a lot about. And I, I'm curious, what is in it for you guys? What's in it for a mobile wallet app? How do you make money? Yeah, that's a really good question. We want to be as transparent as possible. so. We make literally zero dollars when someone downloads the app. We make no money when someone deposits deposits Litecoin in the app. I asked you how you do make money, not how you don't make money. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. Right. I just want to be clear where we don't make money first. So yeah, if you just download a cake, use it as uh, <laughs> use it as 
you know, just a Litecoin wallet, send money back and forth. We make no money from you at all. We're glad you use Cake. We hope you recommend it to your friends, but that's not where we make our money. Um, Cake Wallet makes its money every time you effectively trade within the app. So every time you click the exchange button, every time you uh, click the buy button, um, we allow people to buy Litecoin with their credit and debit card uh, directly in Cake Wallet, for example. Uh, every time someone does that, we get a small percent. So that's how where we that, make our Where money. does that come from? Because I know I noticed that. I didn't utilize it. But what? where am I buying it from if I do that? Um, so with credit and debit card for Litecoin, it is through MoonPay at the moment. Uh, that said, we have put in a lot of effort because nobody out there, nobody else in the U.S., um, allows you to just have like a, a non-custodial mobile app and then just pull out your credit card and then just get Monero in your non-custodial app. So uh, they do it for Bitcoin. They even do it for Litecoin, like like I just said with MoonPay, but nobody does it for Monero. So at Cake, we've been working behind the scenes for a while to set up a company that allows us to specifically do this. And the, the fact that we can deliver, you know, pull out your credit card and get Monero directly into your non-custodial wallet. Um, like if we're able to support that, there's no reason we couldn't also support uh, doing the same for, for Litecoin. Yeah. What, why is, I mean, I know Monero, obviously, what was it? Bittrex had to shut it down and it's kind of this almost like an unspoken rule that no one wants to carry Monero. Is it just, it's, um, just not worth the effort or not worth the potential legal ramifications down the line? Is that what you think is going on? Uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, that for most people, that is the actual correct answer. <laughs> they may say something else. They may say, oh, well, the compliance concerns, whatever. But at the end of the day, it usually just means they don't feel it's worth trying to figure this out. Um, Cake is different because Cake drives, or um, with Cake, Monero drives a huge amount of our user base and a huge amount of our trades. So it actually does matter to us, unlike most exchanges out there. Like, uh, I mean, with Litecoin, you're pretty lucky because most exchanges are just going to want to list Litecoin because a lot of people use it to transfer back and forth between exchanges. It's cheap. It's fast. It's, it's, it's what people want to use. Hey, and people it's the greatest coin in the world. It's the greatest right? coin in the world. What are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. Like, people, people <laughs> love to use it. People love to use it. So with Monero, it's fast and and cheap, but it, it, it's a different code base than Bitcoin. People aren't as familiar with it. It has this whole like shadowy coder side to it, right? So like people just don't want to have to deal with it as much. And so uh, for us, it's, it's very important, but to, to most exchanges, it's kind of a rounding error in their, in their trading volume, right? Does, that just, does um, that just make you mental though? Then when you look at Coinbase? I, I've worked in, uh, you know, for two years, I worked in cryptocurrency compliance for an exchange that did support Monero. And we're trying to go around getting people to support Monero. And they just, like, they, it was worse than, like, being against it. They were just apathetic. And that was so frustrating. Like, it really was. So we, like at Cake, we want to specifically build out the infrastructure. We've been one of the few people that have been doing that. And I'm really excited to be able to do all this stuff finally. Yeah, I mean, it, I, mean I, I get frustrated that Coinbase lists, I mean, it's, I laugh at it now. It's so ridiculous. But at least Litecoin's on there. I, I can't even imagine if Litecoin wasn't on there. I'd be like, how how are we adding every week? There's two or three new coins. But I will say, so when if you go back and listen to our second episode, uh, when David Burkett, the Mimble Wimble guy, was on here, one, one thing he said is that, and I didn't know this, is that exchanges, it's very easy for them to add a token. 
a, an Ethereum token. There's no, there's no real work to it. It's almost like a copy and paste. Okay, now we can uh, buy and sell and trade this token where with something like an, an entire blockchain like a Monero or a Litecoin or, uh, I mean, I don't know who else would be out there. Maybe, a, I don't even know who else, Digibyte, maybe something like that. that. Then they have to actually, there's a lot of work involved. And there's a lot of cost to actually get that up and running. So they're just looking for trading volume. They could care less. And obviously their customer base isn't demanding anything beyond just, I don't know, maybe the customer base doesn't even really care that much. There's no attachment to any of these projects for the most part. So anyway. One, one thing I can say is that if we offer Litecoin purchases ourselves within KCallit, you bet we'll support Mimblewimble directly. <laughs> you know, call out your credit card, directly get Mimblewimble Litecoin. Yeah, that's big. If we could support direct purchases of Monero and shielded Zcash, but there's, we, we unquestionably can support purchases direct to Litecoin and Wimble. No question. Right. That, that, that's awesome, but I'm going to push you a little bit and ask for one more favor. <laughs> oh, gosh. What's this now? Go for well, it. Well, since you're, in, I guess if you're talking to the Thor people, if you can get Thor chain to have Mimble Wimble implemented as well. So maybe. Like uh, Indigo called it, what did you call it, MWLTC as an option? That would be a huge gain. Because one of the things that uh, David Burkett had said about Mimblewimble, just like with Monero, the more you use it, the more private, the more this massive coin join becomes. And uh, yeah, that would be huge. So just drop a line to them. Just let them know. We'd appreciate that. Yeah, one thing I was thinking about doing, uh, what I mentioned earlier is that like in log scale space, every now and then they hold a free, get some Satoshis through LMBTC. And one, Mimblewimble is actually implemented onto Litecoin. One thing I like to do, I like to go into these Bitcoin maxi spaces and debate them. But one thing I want to <laughs> do is do the same thing uh, for Mimblewimble Litecoin. But the also reason why I brought up Atomic Swaps is because I just like to go into their backyard and show them what else they could do. So like doing that nimble wimble like LTC atomic swap to LNBTC, I think would be um or you know a, a reverse summary atomic swap would be fun and be kind of fun to just show them that you could have this privacy both on chain as well as on uh, LNBTC. Yeah, man, you rattle that stuff off. I don't know how you keep track of all those different chains you're talking about. <laughs> So I, I will say, uh, yes, I will talk to the ThorChain people. I'll see what's up. The hard part about ThorChain, and this is something that we really have struggled with plugging Monero in, is that ThorChain itself is a very, very transparent network by design. And Monero is very opaque network by design. So trying to plug these into each other and the way that they talk together well was, it, it took a few extra steps. Um, there was sort of a right way to do it and the wrong way to do it. And we sort of went back and forth and we're going forward with the, you know, what is in my opinion, the right way to do it, which takes a little bit extra work. Um, so I will be very interested to see what plugging into the Mimblewimble side and Litecoin will look like. So I'll do some research on that and see what, I mean, if again, it's one of those things, if we can figure it out for Monero, we should be able to figure it out for Mimblewimble uh, with Litecoin. It's one of those things we can, we can just take a closer look at. Um, and then when it comes to, uh, those swaps, 
Indigo, if you know people that are working on libraries or are doing research on this or whatever, send me a DM and let's just, let's figure out a way for us to support you guys, okay? For sure, yeah, definitely. I think, um, what's, uh, what's his name? David, sorry, I'm just waking up. Burkett. But he's building, Burkett. Uh, yeah, I think he's building a, a, a wallet for LTC and BTC for it to be able to do uh, submarine atomic swaps. Or yeah, atomic he, swaps. He, I also he's he's not doing that, but uh, was, uh low, Lotion at Litecoin is. Lotion, Lotion, excuse me, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um and then also I know that uh Bolts HQ, uh I think some of their developers are from PayPal. Um they uh, uh bolts.exchange uh, is where you're able to also do atomic swaps. I think it's open source and there's a GitHub repo uh, available for you to guys for you guys to dive into. All right. Thank you. Anybody, anybody got any questions about Cake Wallet? I got some yeah. non-Cake Wallet questions for you, but go ahead, Tux. What's up? Thank you. Um, first of all, Justin, just want to thank you for being here. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Um, with, with Cake Wallet, I understand that that Vic was talking recently um, about uh, integration or or uh, developing on Cake Wallet and having sort of three separate versions. Would you be able to talk a little bit about that, and in particular the Monero only version? What what would people be able to expect from that? Yeah, that's a good question. So KQuad as it supports three coins, right? Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Monero. But since we started as a Monero only wallet, a lot of people, especially in the Monero community, see us as like a Monero wallet first, so to speak. And to some extent that's changing a little bit because you want to support other ecosystems. You want to support more advanced features with Litecoin, with Bitcoin, all these sorts of things. So in order to give uh, the members of the Monero community who want an authentically Monero-specific experience, because you know they're out there, <laughs> and those people that are rightfully concerned, and we want to make sure that their concerns are addressed, that, that whatever wallet they use, if they want to use a Monero wallet, is entirely focused on delivering a good Monero experience. So we, uh, we mentioned a few weeks ago uh, that we are making a separate from Cake Wallet, um, entirely Monero only app. There's going to be no Litecoin, no Bitcoin. Sorry, <laughs> um, but you guys still have Cake Wallet, and this is like we're very confident at this point that it will be released by the end of the year. So hopefully, it'll be a nice Christmas present um, for those who want to use a specific Monero only app. And I still can't share what the name of this wallet is, uh, but I think you all are going to like it if, if you are. Uh, fans of the Monero ecosystem. Um, but I, I respect that I'm in a, in a Litecoin room right now. And <laughs> you all will always have Cake Wallet, which is the main wallet. You won't have to reinstall anything. Uh, Cake Wallet will continue to support Litecoin. And we want the focus to increasingly be on Litecoin going forward. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we are in a Litecoin room. But I am, I'm a big, big fan of, of Monero. And uh, I'm definitely one of those people that's excited for that. So thank you for the for the Christmas present. I'm going to enjoy that. Good to hear. Thank you. Thanks for using cake. Any other questions? I got, I got, how much time you got, Justin? <laughs> I'm good. I'm in Central. So I, you know, Vic's in here. So if I'm tired tomorrow, he'll know why. <laughs> oh, it won't get, it won't get, I mean, I won't get, you won't be here too long. But uh, I'm actually interested. I got a question for you. So you get, you know, like there's a uh, Twitter pages that are like bad legal takes. You ever see those before? 
Oh yeah, those are some, sometimes they're very funny. Yeah. All right. So if you're a moderator in a crypto subreddit, I got to hear some of the bad crypto takes you've heard in your life. <laughs> oh my. Oh my. I I have one right now. I have one before you even go. Uh, it's this. I don't even know his name. Jason. I, oh, I know it. Jason Lowry. If you guys know, who I'm talking about this dude's post this week about Dogecoin mining. He was on Pomp's show and he was talking about well. Litecoin only mines X amount of terahashes uh, a day. That's only like four Bitcoin miners. Like, why don't we just attack the Litecoin network? And it was like, oh, my God, how is this guy have 40,000 followers? But go ahead. Let me hear a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good one. I um, I feel like bad crypto takes is probably the majority of the of crypto Twitter. But, but that said. <laughs> Except for nice Litecoin so- Underground. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all guilty of this at some point, perhaps. But but that said, it would be nice if there was one uh, very knowledgeable person that still had a sense of humor that was able to put those together. That, I mean, I, I would follow them. I definitely would. They, <laughs> I mean, crypto is too easy to make fun of, right? Like, I'm sorry. it's NFTs have a use, but they're also really easy to make fun of. So it's oh, really yeah. nonstop entertainment. Anyway, sorry, I'll answer the question. Uh, so um, normally, I would say the most common one is that people will very quickly sort of make this profound assumption about something being obviously good tech, or this obviously is good in this one sense. Um, one thing I've seen repeatedly over the years, and I, I hope I'm not pissing anybody off here, <laughs> but... Uh, Nano, for example. So Nano has almost, like, you know, for, for years, has been disproportionately represented in the cryptocurrency subreddit. People are very quick to sort of support it in some sense. And on paper, you might see why. You might say, like, oh, well, who doesn't want, quote-unquote, free transactions? Who doesn't want this or that, right? But, like, and so you'll, you'll have a lot of discussions where people are like, oh, well, Nano is just obviously, like, such good tech and it's, like, so good. And it's like, okay, well, if there's no transaction fees at all, what's going to happen? And then, of course, earlier in the year, the very obvious thing happened that <laughs> it was spammed and the network was unusable um, for a long, long period of time. Yep. Um, so I'd say that's definitely one where people sort of, despite not being a coder, despite never looking at the code, um, despite looking over egregious loopholes, <laughs> will sort of make the assumption that, oh, something is really good tech. Um, one thing I've seen recently is people say that about Loopring, for example. Uh, Loopring is one where everyone's like, oh, well, it's obviously so good. Like, you know, they, they sat down with Vitalik once, right? And it's just, it's just the future of everything, but like, we got to wait it out. Same thing with Cardano. There's definitely a meme with Cardano, not just in the cryptocurrency subreddit, that, uh, you know, things are, you know, you just gotta wait, right? You think like it'll just come eventually. <laughs> so right, yeah. And, and like those I don't know enough about to to rag on, but you know, like there was well, there was one today, like uh, David Burkett, the Mimble Wimble guy. You know, someone was almost kind of mocking him for, you know, when's Mimble Wimble coming out? And and he's got a website. It's, I mean, it's literally around the corner. I think it's. I mean, if anybody has information, I would say it's within the next three to four weeks we'll have at least some insight into it but um you know he was just it, you get over it eventually like these 
there's just so many bad crypto takes, right? Because there's so many promises by other chains that it's easy to start become assuming they're all just empty promises. But this one is actually coming. Uh, another good <laughs> another good thing I see though, if you guys ever go to uh, there's a Twitter page called uh, Shit Bitcoiners Say. Have you guys ever followed that one before? Okay, a lot of support for that one. It's funny because it's all the grandiose things that Bitcoiners believe. You know, that some just random noob, you know, Bitcoin's going to be the only single asset in the history of the world. And there you won't own real estate anymore because you're going to want to own Bitcoin. It's like, okay, dude, slow down. <laughs> Bitcoin <laughs> solves this. <laughs> yeah, Bitcoin solves, you know, uh, seasonal depression. <laughs> or exactly. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so, Bitcoin solves seasonal depression because you'll be making too much money and have so much gains <laughs> that you'll never be depressed. Yeah. Stuff like yeah, that. Exactly. Uh, what was the other? I had one other question for you. I'm trying to. I'm. I jot things down as I'm going around. Um, well, yeah. So I. I mean, I. I welcome you to stick around and and maybe we'll bring up other topics. But I appreciate you coming in. Does Does anybody else want to step up before I kind of end the I got one session for Justin? Yeah. 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 One thing. Um, it's what you and I were talking about with that rope dog last week right yeah i wanted to see uh with, with justin we were discussing privacy last week and sort of got to the to the conclusion that there's no single solution that, that you can really take as an individual to protect your privacy and to have you know the most of it that you possibly can and it's more of a of an arsenal so to speak uh, an arsenal of things that you use to have as much of that as you can what i was wondering is is, is there anything that that you um would, would want to highlight that, that could be helpful for that? Like what, what, what would be in your arsenal? Cause I know you're a big uh, proponent of privacy. That's a good question. So the first thing I would say is tr start with a threat model, but it, put it specific, put pen to paper with some of the basics say, okay, my goal is to not even eliminate, but reduce my reliance on Google. For example, that might be your first goal and see where that takes you or I'm going to stop using SMS if I'm using SMS to send all my messages, right? So TechWar um, is a very good uh, individual who adds, actually a team, sorry, at this point, um, that advocates for privacy, not specifically for cryptocurrencies. They actually don't focus too much on cryptocurrencies. But I've been, like the second I found TechLore, I was just an immediate supporter because their stuff is really down to earth. It meets people where they are. It doesn't jump in saying, oh, well, you were using the Tor browser bundle, but like, that's not enough. You got to be like even more careful. You got to move to like the woods first, right? Like there, people in the privacy community, sometimes they almost, some people, not all of course, but some people sort of like to one up each other on what extreme measures they're taking. And that's good for pushing the boundary. It's good to set some examples. It's good to give communities to those sort of extreme cases. But most people probably aren't like that. So they want to start with some of the basics. So like even using a password manager, frankly, is like the number one thing you probably can do for your privacy that most people aren't doing. So if you so are able to just use like KeyPassXC or Bitwarden or even LastPass, like that's better. Like that's the single Wait, greatest you gotta, change you, you can make. You got to back up. You got to back up. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. You said What's the simplest thing people can do? Um, so, a lot, like, 
you only need to talk to some friends or family to know how they store their passwords, right? They're normally not strong. They're not unique. They're only not good. They're not, uh, they're not as good as it could be. Um, this is even before you get to 2FA and other advanced, primarily security um, advantages. So um, just sitting down, starting to use a password manager, this is something that allows you to more easily store um, you, you know, unique, strong passwords for certain apps and websites. And simply by just having a strong password, I mean, sure, it's not going to solve every data leak out there or data breach out there, but it's going to mean that it's going to be harder for someone to log into your Facebook account with all of your personal info with your password 12345, right? Which, you know, having a strong password on Facebook is at least a step forward for your privacy as opposed to the next step, which is getting off Facebook, right? So really the first thing someone should do, and luckily crypto has actually helped a lot with this, where people are more likely to understand the importance of using strong passwords, um, but it is to use a password manager. So I'd hope most people would get that in the cryptocurrency space, but that's really, you know, number one, um, I, would, I would say. And then start focusing on what your specific threat model is. You know, stop using SMS, stop using normal phone calls. Those are usually the easiest for, for, for many people. And then from there, you can see where things take you. But those are really the, the lowest. Um, those are the sort of the easy wins that most people are not taking advantage of. So as an SMS using something like a, a private messaging app, you're saying, instead of using your normal text messages. Yeah, like he's, I mean, people have disadvantage or people hate on Signal a lot. I mean, Signal is not perfect in any sense, but Signal encrypted messages are a billion times better than SMS. They're like night and day, right? So if you just use those, even though sure, you can go back and forth about actually in this edge case or actually this. I mean, there are like no edge cases in SMS. You're just leaking everything all the time. So it's much better to get those things to edge cases. So most people aren't doing that. And sometimes the privacy community can be pretty intimidating where we say, oh, well, if you want privacy on Bitcoin, you need to like use Whirlpool and it costs you like $100 and you need to spend like six <clears throat> days mixing your funds. And like, you need to know what 70 of these terminologies are. Like that's a high bar. And some people will like to get into that into those weeds, but most people won't. So. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, there's levels, you know, I think we've talked about that with decentralization, right? And it's almost, you know, the all or nothing attitude is, I don't know, is it is there a word for that in the English language of all or nothing? You know, it's like it's like maximalism, right? It's all it's all Bitcoin or we're at zero, you know, everything else goes to zero. Like that's not a logical stance is, you know, I need to have absolute privacy in every single thing I do. Well, that's just it's overkill, right? Maybe overkills the word. Um, well, I, I got a question for you because uh, you brought up DeFi and how, um, you know, Ethereum provides that liquidity or those whatever markets we decide to talk about um, on Ethereum or on Solana or whatever they're going to be. What do you think about what Elizabeth Warren was talking about to, and yesterday? Do you feel like, do you feel like shots are getting fired? I saw her comments primarily on stable coins. Is that what you're talking about or something else? Well, she did. 
And then she went on to say this because I actually wrote this down because I was, uh, I don't know, I was pretty alarmed by it. She said, DeFi is the most dangerous part of the crypto world. It's one of the shadiest parts of crypto. And she said, you may be, this is, so she goes, it's the home for the scammers and the, and uh, I forgot the word she used. And she said, you, you never know on the other end of your trade, you may be dealing with a terrorist. And I thought, man, that's some very extreme language for people trying to just have trade among themselves. And since you, since you're talking about backing some of these cake wallet trades in, you know, DeFi at some point and that liquidity, what it provides, um, obviously it's valuable to people who want to use it. Uh, I'm just curious of what you, what you would, what your take is on that. What do you think about that? Uh, well, it's disappointing. <laughs> um, I think, uh, well, I guess actually, I, I well, if you didn't, li- if you didn't actually, listen to it, I understand you don't want to talk. No, to no, it, it's very good. Actually, that, that Monero was not thrown under the bus in that sense, because we've been <laughs> in the cryptocurrency industry is throwing under the bus tool for literally ever. <laughs> so, yay, it's something else. Well, what, uh, what was weird about it is she was calling out stable coins. You know, she was saying that these are these, I don't know, like if, if everybody ran for the door, essentially like as a as in a bank run like pre fed right so if everybody ran for the door on a stable coin yeah the stable coin could go to zero or are we even sure that there's even any stable any dollars to back those stable coins because tether and whoever else they're investing in things besides us dollars um it was just it was really weird i thought that was a very weird thing she was talking about i didn't quite understand where she was going with it because i felt like if anything she was describing a free market like if things don't go well you might lose like is that the end of the world i don't know (laughs) like be aware what you're dealing with but i don't know i guess what did you think about the stablecoin comments um to be clear there like are risks that people talk about with stablecoins that are valid but i think just the sort of aggressive approach is probably the wrong way to approach things i mean tether for example by and large has been outside of the u.s regulatory environment with how it directly operates for really its whole existence right but it's still around and it's still a risk so to speak (laughs) and it's uh i guess i find it a little bit frustrating when people well not a little i find it very very frustrating when a lot of, I mean, you see both Democrats and Republicans do this, sadly, where they will sort of attack um, an, a user's ability to engage in these really interesting DeFi financial products when they should probably be going against the bad actors in the space itself. So I really wish the focus would be more on seeing who the, like if someone's launching a Ponzi, an obvious Ponzi in the DeFi space, right? Go after the person that's launching the Ponzi. Don't go after the person that's suckered into it, right? Um, and that, yeah, or even even if you created a like the FDA, quote unquote, yeah, the FDA of cryptocurrencies, where I'm as an American citizen, you're going and just you have a place, a, a site I can go to, and you can give me a fair. Uh, amount of information and give me an assessment of what you think of that asset or what's my risk level. Give me a red to green risk level of certain assets 
without necessarily intervening, but you're providing me with some information like that would be valuable to me. And as somebody like she describes these new users who have no understanding of what's going on, um, I think that could be valuable. But you're not you're not going to stop. Tether can just move to whatever country they want to move to. Like, I don't know. And they can ba- they can back their currency in dollars or they can use the euro or they can use whatever currency they decide to use. It doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? They're nationless, essentially. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, yeah. If, in my ideal world, and I know this isn't actually good in practice, but I'm just speaking out loud. If you can wave a magic wand and make it happen <laughs> in, in a good way, which is impossible in, in actual implementation. But if you can somehow basically make t- people taste, take like an impartial test to be like, yes, I know what I'm doing. And then boom, you're able to do whatever you want with that type of thing you have shown knowledge about. I mean, in the ideal world, that would make sense. But obviously, who administers a test? Who does this? Is that discriminatory? All these sorts of real questions come up. But at right. least it's better than uh, than do you have, like, are you qual- a qualified investor that has a lot of money and therefore is able to lose money and not be like, you know, <laughs> broke? <laughs> That's kind of how it is in the U.S. at the moment. What What are you talking about? I mean, we have lotteries in every single state. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's <laughs> a good have, point. They have casinos in every state now. So they're not stopping everybody from gambling. They're not. That's what I understand. It's, a, it's just a very weird thing to attack. And I, and I know why. Like, at the end of the day, um, if we all abandon the fiat system, it becomes a very big problem. So, I mean, I, I just I love the tools you guys have created. I'm really I hadn't even had any exposure at all to Cake Wallet before seven days ago. and learning about it i'm very very excited about it i think i'm i guess thank you guys for building this it's very cool um oh that's so nice thank you so much and again any comments questions anything at all let me know and we'll we'll fix it right we'll make it better that's what you want to do so here i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you my i don't know if this will be controversial this is something that uh maybe has been brewing with me for a while but as we all know there's maximalists and what I'm what I've been continually growing frustrated with is that as Litecoiners, we're very much Litecoin, Bitcoin, Litecoin, Bitcoin, right? Hey, we got all these qualities of Bitcoin. But you know what? Bitcoiners never talk about Bitcoin, Litecoin. They only talk about Bitcoin. And I believe that if we can build bonds among various cryptos, Litecoin and Monero being two of them, I see a lot more capability. Uh, and I, I don't know what to call it power, but you know, there's not money behind it yet. But Litecoin and Monero pairing together and being more unified makes sense to me at this point than Litecoin and Bitcoin do. That might be a really crazy thing to say among a room full of Litecoiners. But I feel like when I talk to Monero people, they understand crypto and the original purpose of crypto. And I think Litecoiners do too. And that's why we're Litecoiners. If we were chasing uh, the glory, we would be Bitcoiners, I guess. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm I'm feeling like we need to continue to build this multi-chain world, have a full crypto community that's talking about things like ThorChain and Monero and Litecoin and all these decentralized options we have and do less talking about how are we going to get the... F- be fallen to the graces of the governments you know what i mean so you don't have to respond to that justin but that's just just where i'm feeling right now so 
All right. You got anything else to say? Are you got any questions for Litecoiners? Come on. This is reciprocal. <laughs> you been doing a great job <laughs> asking all the questions. I appreciate it. Um, I guess my main question is, besides Member One Bowl, which has obviously been top of mind for a while, something we're very, very interested in, or really anybody who cares about privacy should be interested in, of course. Um, but it's something I've been interested in for a while. Is there anything that I should be aware of that the Litecoin development team is working on or anything else that's just kind of cool? Uh yeah okay so first off, I'm I have no association with developers or the Litecoin Foundation or Charlie Lee. I'm just a guy who created Litecoin Underground. Just so I'm clear, but we've had we've had some people in here from uh, the foundation, and probably two. Well, I'll say, yeah, the three things that they've worked on that are pretty exciting. They talked about a few weeks ago were uh, a new Lightning wallet. A pl they're calling it plasma wallet and it'll allow for submarine swaps or whatever atomic swaps whatever they call them between litecoin and bitcoin which that's very exciting uh wrapped litecoin is i think coming pretty soon uh they have a website uh jinji i'm i'm sure you know who jinji is he announced it on uh i think he shared it so and he talked about it on this on this uh spaces a few weeks ago and then the third one is OmniLite, which is it's not being utilized right now and we're trying to figure out what's to come of it but it's essentially a smart contract platform with nfts you can build uh you can make tokens on it and stable coins should be able to utilize it so i think a stable coin what jinji told us is that charlie is in talks with one of the major stable coins to bring it to OmniLite on Litecoin. So whether that's USDC or Tether, I don't really know. But that's really exciting because if you've used stablecoins, the fees are similar to an Ethereum or Bitcoin fee. So to get a to be able to move um, stablecoins for less than a penny is pretty exciting. So those would be the three things I would say you're probably going to see on top of Mimblewimble within the next 6 to 12 months. By wraps, do you mean a like wrap like one on Ethereum or something else? Yeah, on Ethereum. Yep. Okay. You guys gonna you want to help us out? You want to wrap Ethereum on Solana? <laughs> you trust <laughs> us you to wrap Ethereum? Or you, you trust us to wrap a uh, Litecoin on? How about this? We'll wrap Litecoin wrapped on Ethereum on Solana. Okay, if you trust us to do that. I don't even know what that means anymore. <laughs> uh, I'm lost. <laughs> You're like six levels deep on me. <laughs> that was, I guess, that was the joke. But yes, yes, there's, there's, there's many ways to do wrapped assets. Is uh, there, is there like wrapped Solana on Ethereum? <laughs> there probably I, is, isn't there? I mean, I, I'm sure somebody's <laughs> done it. I, I, at least, I would hope that in this big crypto market, someone's done that. All right, what, what's the biggest scam in crypto right now? <laughs> the biggest scam. I'm gonna hit you with just some fun questions. Let's go. Come on, Justin. What's the biggest scam? Oh, um, <laughs> in terms of being overvalued, my personal take is, take is Cardano. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to anyone who likes Cardano, but they have nothing, nothing to show for it yet. And it's just all built on hype. So, uh, yeah. All right. It's my, all right. It's my vote. I will say, so, we're, so since Litecoin merged mines with Dogecoin, that's another one. Maybe Elon has, has gotten into my brain, but that's another one we've 
just decide we're we've, we're embracing Dogecoin because we feel like uh, again this multi-chain world. The more the merrier. If people are interested in decentralized coins and uh, you know proof of work assets, we're all for it. And the more the you know come into the club. You know what I'm saying. So that's why you're <laughs> yeah. here today. I didn't even think about that to be honest. I mean, I I was familiar with the merge my dynamic, but I really didn't revisit it since since Dogecoin took off, right? So, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you something to think about. about. I'll give you something to think about. So, Dogecoin does not have a a, a cap on supply. They add like five billion coins a year from now until forever, and so the mining rewards as a Litecoin miner will dwindle as the block rewards go away, right? You have to rely on fees from Litecoin. This is, I should let Indigo talk about this because this guy, I know he knows this inside out. Where Dogecoin fees or block rewards will never go away, which means that that's actually good for the long-term sustainability of the Litecoin mining because as Bitcoin miners lose block rewards, they're definitely going to start shutting down machines, right? Or fees are going to go up. One of the two is going to have to happen. And so that long-term outlook is, that's beneficial. What we kind of feel like Charlie Lee might've had some very, you know, Nostradamus type of stuff seeing 10, 20 years into the future that this uh, uncapped asset is actually beneficial. And really you can, you can, uh, well, Monero never runs out of rewards, right? Yeah, we're quote-unquote uncapped as well. Yes, we at least have a permanent tail emission, as we call it. So it's a similar and, situation. No, and there's something to that. It's like you're either going to pay the fee. Um, it's almost like I'm, I don't want to make this sound bad. It's like a socialism thing, right? You're spreading the cost of transactions across the entire network by inflating the supply as opposed to charging the direct user of that asset, if that makes any sense. And it's minor inflation, right? 1% inflation, half percent inflation. Um, I don't think is that bad as long as you can, as long as you know what it is and you can plan for it. I don't think inflation is the end of the world in small, small doses. So Indigo, do you want to hit him with some of that mining stuff? Because you know it 10 times better than I do. Actually, I think you did a really good job there. It's, you know, this is definitely something way down in the future. And it's kind of more of a thought experiment of what will happen once, you know, the block rewards are are done. And, you know, I, I know that there's a theory that the on-chain fees would be able to supplement or the cost to do an on-chain fee would be enough for miners to continue to mine when there's no more rewards. So, you know, this is more of a, a thought experiment. Um, but, you know, with the fact that Litecoin or uh, script miners, for example, are mining both Litecoin and Doge, uh, that thought experiment, you know, you know for a fact that Doge will continue to provide rewards, uh, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, was it tail mission? Um, so, actually, no. Yeah, uh, you know, Mega, you did a really good job there explaining. I couldn't really say much more uh, to what you've said. All right, I must have. I've learned from listening to you. I can tell you that. One thing I haven't <laughs> thought of because people in the Monero community. I mean, they have different views, of course, but most people are probably for what Monero has if they're in the Monero community, which is this tail emission. So people there are generally favorable of the idea of having some 
less than one percent, approximately one percent inflation starting next year, and then you know it's it's disinflationary, so it's you know asymptotically approaching zero. It doesn't actually hit zero percent, but it you know asymptotically does. Um, so. Can I, can I ask you, like, like for, hang on real quick. So I know, for example, like there's like 18 million, 19 million Monero right now. So how many are at this point being created on a yearly basis? Oh, oh. <laughs> I know that's like looking into the darkness. Like, I have right. Some math. Um, just like uh, there's about it's probably if I had to guess, there's probably about 0.8 XMR per block, which is every two minutes. And then you have to multiply that. To be annualized. Um, so if someone wants to do that math for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, all right, go ahead. Um, the tail emission is 0.6 XMR. So we're actually pretty close to that point. So um, that's about one, it, it's roughly 1%, and it stays at 0.6%. So as the supply grows, you know, the percent inflation heads towards zero. So I, I, I just want to say that, it's like that I never thought too much about the idea of a coin being merge mined with another coin that does have some issuance. So miners would be getting, let's just say the primary issuance would be whatever token that is, or the primary reward for the miners would be whatever token is being, um, that, that still has inflationary type influence, uh, issuance. Sorry. Maybe. And unless, unless the volume is high enough on the on, on the capped token right 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 like you definitely i think there definitely is something again some people in the mineral community would disagree with this but i think personally there is certainly room for fees to cover enough of incentive on their own i think bitcoin is in a pretty all things considered in a well-positioned space for that right we don't know what's going to happen with ethereum but they certainly have fees there <laughs> they can cover some uh some mining security but I, I haven't thought about it such as like some secondary assets that is providing a lot of the rewards from just their inflationary issuance. And then sort of the like them agreeing to secure your network through the added bonus fees on the side. Um, now that said, um, I, I guess, I guess I'm in, as Indigo was saying, this is more a thought experiment than anything else where you're like, okay, at what point do they, actually care about the incentive of supporting the secondary network that is providing less income or what if another group comes in are they really going to you know all sorts of philosophical questions at that point um but i yes. think um to well, a large extent we don't really know <laughs> well what was interesting is we talked in our in, in the first podcast we had uh why litecoin's not here but we talked about you know what you're essentially paying for with mining rewards is you're paying for the security you're you're paying to know that when I send a coin, I'm not, I'm not, or I'm, when I'm receiving a coin, I'm not being defrauded and that I'm, I'm working on a, a non-fraudulent system, non-fraudulent system. And, uh, that's the value you're looking for. You don't want to be, you want double spend. You don't obviously want the network to crash or anybody to come in and be able to steal your coins. And what's the true value of that? I, I don't think we're anywhere near understanding what that is yet because the rewards have been so high for so long it's almost distorted the market of security the cost of security um to be much higher i mean there's 
it's I think it's too secure right now. If I had to tell you the truth, I think Bitcoin's too secure. I think Litecoin is too secure if there's such a thing. And maybe Monero the same way. And as these block rewards run out, we'll start to get a real sense for how much does it really cost or take, how much energy needs to be uh, exerted into securing the network. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you know, I don't know if that makes any sense right now, but you can listen back to our first podcast. It might make more sense. <laughs> I think, I mean, I, I see what you mean, though. There definitely are some people that think that, uh, sort of overkill with some of the proof of work. Um, people are going to have different opinions on that, but I at least can see the view. Absolutely. Well, well cause, because the speculation has gotten so high, right? The price has gone up so quickly that it's, it's, it's distorted things, essentially, right? The cost of electricity is very low compared to the cost of the asset that you're mining. So that's where the balance comes in. But all right. Well, either way, all right. Well, yeah, I'm I'm good. Anybody, if anybody's got any other questions for Justin, or if you just want to hang out, um, I don't know what else we'll cover. But I really appreciate you coming in and joining us. And I hope Monero people are interested in Litecoin, and Litecoiners are interested in Monero, and primarily Cake Wallet, right, Justin? That's yeah, why you're here. <laughs> let's, let's, let's keep All right, going. so let's do it. Everybody who's here that doesn't have Cake Wallet, go on your app store. There's, I mean, how many people are here? There's not even that many here right now. Uh. Go download the app and check it out. I, I really was impressed with it. I liked it. It was a good good user experience, like you said. 